Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, Inside Transformation Conference, we go behind the scenes of the fifth installment of our biannual event, Transformation Conference, which took place in Stockholm yesterday, actually, when we record this. We will hear key takeaways and listen to reactions from people who participated both both on and off stage. Uh, we will hear from Sandra Roos, Vice President and Sustainability at Kappal, Uti Locco, CEO and founder of Rester, and Sarah Arts, Head of Marketing and Communications at the Stockholm-based fashion brand Asket. My name is Konrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleague, Johan Magnusson. Johan, how does it feel today, the day after the conference? It feels uh, really nice. Uh, we had a great experience in Helsinki, so the expectations were quite high for Stockholm and uh, yeah it matched it uh, and exceeded it I would say. I think so too. Uh, a bit of a tired bit bit tired today. Uh, we you know as as per tradition now we concluded the conference uh, season with a dinner at the beautiful uh, Finnish embassy in Stockholm uh, courtesy of, of their press secretary uh, Elna Nikinen Andersson who, who is kind enough to invite us there so we had a beautiful beautiful evening as well with, with the speakers and, and participants um, of course I did the most of the conference on stage so it's hard for me to tell uh, what it felt like in the audience maybe we can start there you on uh, was there any murmurs in the audience that, that I could not experience uh, from the, the event I would say that uh, the speaker list was uh, quite impressive. So people came there with uh, quite high expectations. And of course, they were all silent while we had the keynotes and the panel discussions. Uh, but uh, mm. we also had a break. And then you could feel this uh, atmosphere in the room. Like a lot of smart, uh, influential people gathered at the same place. So of course, uh, it, it was a mingle that you, yeah, fear of missing out if you weren't there. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love that you say that. And I think, you know, we've been touching on this before, but the sort of relevance for this event has really increased this year. And we can tell by the number of participants. We have 150 people on place uh, on, on site this year. It's double compared to last year. Um, so people are really resonating with the topics of the new EU legislations for fashion. What will it mean? How can we tackle uh, um, recycling? Uh, what will this mean for brands, small and large? So I think there's a real kind of attention to this, these issues that we've been talking about now for a few years uh, within the industry. I think that kind of shows in, in the conference yesterday. And, and I agree. I'm, I'm very proud of, of the, the lineup of speakers we had uh, yesterday and, and uh, looking forward to sharing, sharing some of these conversations in, in our podcast later on. And uh, what about you, uh... You were on stage most of the time or, yeah, right next to the stage. What, was, what, what were your feelings? My feeling was that people were listening, as you said. I think the, it was a really quiet room. People paid attention. And it's always the worst part of, of hosting this conference is interrupting the conversations people have in the break. Uh, you can really tell by if it's a relevant conference that if people are really, uh, really talking to each other in the break and, and interrupting that and continuing with the program is, is always kind of heartbreaking because that's what we want to do, right? With the conference, we want to spark these yeah. conversations. Yeah, um, we need to we need to extend the break uh, from a quarter to one hour next year. 
Yeah, I think so. But that's also why we hosted the roundtable sessions afterwards. So after the conference, uh, uh, select, you know, the speakers, but also um, an extended uh, kind of group of, of people from within the industry were gathered to continue the conversation. Uh, and, uh, you know, by, by the reactions I got, people really, really... Um, really enjoyed those conversations as well and and they were really fruitful to people and and uh, you know again one of the other main themes or one of the other main th- things we want to achieve with this conference is bring people together from from different industries so we have people from the tech industry uh meeting people in the fashion industry we have you know people from the vc venture capital industry uh talking about how they invest in new technologies for the fashion industry uh and right now giving all the talk about the digital product passports and what that might mean for the fashion industry there's also uh, now software developers it's kind of it's kind of flocking to to the fashion fashion industry, and um, of course the day started with uh, uh, an update on the EU regulations by Mauro Scalia, the director of uh, Eurotex. He was with us in Helsinki as well, so uh, very happy that he he came back, and that kind of um, I think it, it gave us kind of a through line throughout the day. So it gave us something that people kind of could could fall back on and. And uh, uh, so the, all the rest of the discussions, whether we talked to these innovation companies that are doing recycling, whether we talked about to the sustainability experts of the big brands or the VCs, we all kind of f- fell back on this notion that there is legislation coming, the fashion industry need to change, and, and uh, there's, there is this sense of urgency to it. And it's coming soon, you know. A lot of designers present there, they're a bit stressed now because uh, it's still yet to be decided uh, what the legislation will look like. And then I had a long conversation um, with Mauro uh, after the, the mm. after the event. And uh, among many other things, we spoke about the fact that we have uh, the elections next summer. Right. So this right. might change quite a lot uh, if there is a new parliament um, going to rule after the summer next year. Mm. So, mm. but yeah, the designers they they are of course planning for twenty twenty five now, where we expect the new legislation to to happen. So um, mm. and and they still don't know. They're they're a bit um, yeah. It's 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 a bit uh, unknown um, how, how to how to deal with it and uh, what will be the results uh, in their daily operations. Yeah, well, there's a lot of uncertainty for sure, and and just that notion does that what you just mentioned. I think is is just you know testament to that these are two worlds clashing right now. We have the the uh, legislators in Brussels thinking about how to change the fashion industry. They don't think about. Uh, I think kind of the knowledge about the fashion industry is, is low, which which is a testament to the lack of kind of uh, um, the lack of lobbyists and people representing the fashion industry in Brussels. So so when when the EU says, well, let's let's uh, do this now in 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 a year, uh, especially designers, as you mentioned, they're like, no 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 no, we're already working on on you know four seasons four seasons ahead. Uh, so hence the stress. And actually, Sandra Roos, Vice President of Sustainability at Kappol, she uh, mentioned this. Oh, you had a chance to talk to Sandra uh, offstage after the conference. Uh, what was your impression speaking with, with Sandra? What do you think about her? We were, of course, super happy to have her joining our event. She's a 
big player in the Swedish and Scandinavian uh, fashion scene. Uh, mainly, I would say, given her like science and re- research background, right, and of course, right. um, the industry needs to look at science uh, in order to improve, uh, like, just like many other industries. Uh, so she has a lot of uh, credibility there, given her w- vast background mm. in the, in the fields. I actually have a, ro- a lot of respect for her to making that pivot, going from. I mean, she was really. Uh, I mean, it still is, of course, but when she was working with Rice and, and these organizations as a researcher, she was, one, I think, the most highly regarded uh, fashion sustainability researcher in Sweden. So to to be in that position and, and go to a commercial player, that's a lot of risk in terms of your own credibility in a way. But but as she's, she talks about it, she's like, I, you know, I, I was done. I knew what needed to be happened. I had done my research. Now I want to put it, put it to the test. Exactly, because it's uh, in many ways it's when you join such a commercial company and also quite a yeah a very big one, a, mm. a fashion chain. It's what it is. It's a retailer, yeah. a fashion chain uh, yeah. uh, th- that has been known uh, for like as many other fa- fast fashion player, but as many others are now going through a transformation. And much thanks to Sandra's work, she's been there for a few years now, and it takes some time to implement. Of course, uh, yeah. The transformation and changes in organizations and, and such. Hmm. All right, let's let's listen to it. Here, here's your conversation with Sandra Roos, Vice President of Sustainability at Capball, uh, off stage at the Transformation Conference. We're here at the, the trans- Transformation Conference outside of Stockholm. You've been on stage. How was it? What did you talk about? Uh, we talked uh, about the uh, mostly maybe the transformation and the technology part that is needed and we talked about the traceability in the supply chain and we talked about the extended producer responsibility uh, and and uh, also a bit about management i think how important it is that top management is involved in sustainability and that all uh, senior executives are uh, taking the responsibility to drive sustainability in their functions. And how do you work with uh, that particular topic uh, at Capital? Well, at Capital, I'm fortunate enough to sit in the executive management team, which means that my colleagues are the CFO, the, the CEO, uh, and all the vice president for uh, for product development, for sales, etc. And it's really, I mean, sustainability is about all the functions in a company and we all need to collaborate. We have to design clothes from better fabrics and we have to have suppliers supplying those better fabrics. So it's really a teamwork. And a lot of work we heard on stage. Can you take us uh, through how these next few years will be? Mm -hmm. Especially for you being such a big player. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, from from my point of view, I think the EU regulations is a support for me because it means that the whole industry needs to change at the same time. So all the um, fears about uh, losing competitiveness, etc., and losing profitability, uh, that that is not so, um, so scary anymore since everyone has to do the same thing at the same time. So the whole industry needs to change. Uh, but it is a big change and it is about selling products with high quality, selling products that are transparent 
um, building up infrastructure for a circular business model. And if we do that together, then we might actually have a chance to, to save clothes from being burnt uh, in the um, combustible waste. But instead, garments that can be reused will be reused and eventually recycled and recovered. A very good saying uh, during the talk uh, was that you might be competitors, the fashion brands might be competitors in terms of style. Well, when it comes to sustainability, finally we might see the industry come together moving forward. Do you agree? Is, is that the, the most important step going forward? Yeah, definitely. Not one single brand can make this change alone because it's, it's, uh, it's about finding suppliers that are that are um, uh, that can uh, deliver the new sustainable products and it's about uh, teaching customers and 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 making them um, mature enough to try the circular business models and also to to care for garments and and uh, and knowing about the quality of a garment regardless of price because I, I also think that maybe people treat a shirt from Gant and Kappal in different ways. Because if you bought it for 400 kroners, you don't treat it the way you should. But if you buy it for a thousand kroners, then you treat it in another way. And your talk together with Jessica from Gant will be released as a special episode of the, our post podcast series later this fall. Um, what are your next steps at Kapal moving forward? Uh, immediately now, we are onboarding all our suppliers into the traceability system. So we have already uh, done a pilot with uh, our denim suppliers. So all our denim you can now find on our web page, where you can see the supply chain all down to fiber. So you can see the, the weaver, the spinner, the, the um, ginner of the fibers, etc. Uh, but we will do this on, on all our products. All right, that was Sandra Roos, Vice President Sustainability at Kappal, uh, speaking to Johan offstage at the Transformation Conference. All right, so one big topic, of course, is the notion of recycling. So, and that's why I feel it was so good to have so many Finnish participants and speakers with us this year, because of course, Finland is way ahead. It's uh, only until 2025 that the mandates apply for all of Europe, where all the municipalities in the EU will have to uh, collect all textile waste from consumers and companies. But Finland is already ahead. I think they started last year. And we had two speakers on stage uh, working with uh, various types of uh, um, recycling technologies. We had Uti Lokko from Rester and um, Olle Kekkonen from Nordic Bioproducts Group. So two Finnish speaker and one Swedish. We also had Angelina Elfström, business development manager at Once More, a recycling project run by uh, the big waste giant Södra. Yeah, and also in our, our conversation, I asked what it's like for, for a player working um, with recycling in a country that's uh, yeah actually now a forerunner in the field. All right, let's hear it. Here's Uti Loko, CEO and founder of uh, the Finnish recycling company Rester. 
what can you say about uh, Rester? How would you describe it? Well, at Rester we have our mission is to keep the materials in circulation. And uh, by that I mean that we wish to have purpose for each material type. So the compositions are so various that we want to find a usage for each different kind of feedstock stream. And this is maybe the, the biggest uh, mission in our work. But also what we do is to take care of business-to-business -business textiles at the end of the life cycle. So we take them take them in and uh, sort them and uh, produce the material back to new new fiber that can be used for industrial usage. And um, I would still maybe add that uh, it's not about the opening process itself what is interesting. The interesting part is that the understanding of the textiles, that's most important. So we know what can be used and where it can be used and what are the features that are expected to be had. We've had you on stage at Transformation Conference both in Helsinki and now Stockholm. Uh, what did you talk about? Well, in Helsinki the content was a bit different having the speech, but uh, here in Stockholm we had a very interesting conversation and of course our, our dear partner Södra as well sitting beside me here presenting representative and, um, and and we discussed about the the scenery of recycling it was a very short short conversation so we i think we all would have had a lot more to say and uh, also maybe maybe it would be interesting to cover a little bit of the future topics how we see that this is evolving that would have been one one thing that certainly we will have conversations later on Finland is a true front-runner when it comes to recycling. For those who don't know, what can you say? It's, it's mandatory with textile recycling uh, as part of the system? And uh, yes, in Finland we have been uh, kind of forerunners for, for making this systemic change. Uh, so we have been taking in the textiles further or before than the, it was uh, mandatory in EU. So that part covered check but what is not covered is the end usage and this is something that I want to underline that keeping the materials in 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 circulation we do need the industrial level operators who will then be committed to use the materials in their production whatever it is it might be a different kind of application so that's something that uh, I strongly recommend to do because the, the companies who are involved now and are committed for the for the big transition they will they will be the winners and that's it if we talk about uh, you and uh, Rester what, what are your next steps our next steps are of course to scale up and uh, we have been uh, also growing our capacity so at this point we have we have 11,000 tons of annual capacity so and we are the only practically the only and uh, the biggest operator for fiber opening in northern europe so in that sense i would say that we would be we would be very likely to cover the whole scandinavian and baltic countries at the moment what comes to new fiber product production and uh, and uh, this is also something that i feel and uh, think that uh, we should 
think about ourselves as one entity, as one market area. We are so small, and uh, if we want to make the change from from all the production processes that have been the the previous way to do it, we are in, in such a big changing process that uh, we have to unite and we have to collaborate. That was Uti Loco, CEO of Rester. All right, so we mentioned before kind of the, the murmurs in the audience and, and all the discussion that, that happened. And I think we wanted to kind of bring in a voice uh, fresh from, from the audience. And uh, we you decided to talk to Sarah Arts, which is head of marketing and communications at Asket, which I think is an interesting brand. I mean, they were quick to RSVP to this conference. Asket is a kind of a forerunner in trying to make fashion in a very different type of uh, way. Uh, can you describe Asket to, to someone who doesn't know what it is? They've been around for a few years now. I think more years than, than you might expect. Uh, yeah. I don't know when they were starting, but uh, it's, of course, based on... Uh, it's wardrobe six or seven years or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 based on wardrobe essentials. So hmm. basically, their men's line, for instance, uh, will um, be full, so to say, next year. Hmm. So they will not launch any new products. Um, at least that's what they they say uh, for for the men's line. While they uh, recently launched a women's line as well, which of course will expand uh, over the years. They're mm. also a front runner. For, I, I, within... I'm sorry. I just I just have to comment on that. I, I think it's just it's people don't understand how bold it is for a fashion brand to say we are not launching any new products. It really flies in the face of how the whole industry works, and kind of it's a testament to how Asket is doing things differently. Yeah, and uh, it's. Um... Up for proof now, because of course uh, they have investors and they, mm. they want return of investment, of course, uh, but uh, perhaps they need to expand to new markets and uh, new consumer groups instead of um, uh, selling newness, so to say, selling right. new launches just for the sake of it. So I think, and I think they uh, rely quite heavily on um, the essentials that they have and to refine them and to mm. like relaunch the Oxford shirt or, or such. So they're, they're still going to grow. And also, of course, they um, just opened the Restore, which Sarah will mention in the interview, uh, where they have gathered uh, old uh, pieces, which has been uh, restored and uh, is now available for yeah. sale as well, just like many other brands. That's actually a big topic we should come back to uh, in the podcast. We met several companies yesterday that are working on different kinds of uh, resell platforms, for instance. Two of them came from Finland. There, there's other players coming out of Sweden. I really feel, and, and I talked to um, Jessica Woodmar from Gantt, who's also the speaker on stage. She said she had gone through, I was a plus 20 different types of resale platforms, meaning like tech companies or startups wanting to sell different types of uh, resale platforms to her. So this is really, I mean, th there is some estimates I read somewhere that like, oh, the, the resale market's going to be, you know, worth, uh, you know, 60% of the whole fashion industry by 2030 or something. I think that's a rough estimate, but surely resale is, is on the rise. Yeah, and it's quite challenging now, of course, for the for the brands when the generation growing up now they don't consume. 
they only buy secondhand or um, go to resell uh, websites. So it's sure. um, not a it's not a coincidence that we see all uh, the the rise for all these uh, startups. Right. Of course. Right. And speaking of this, I just feel like transformation conference and kind of like this conversation uh, going going through some of the impressions we had, it, it just becomes like a to-do list of uh, upcoming episodes and stories we need to follow up on because there was just so much being mentioned that that, uh, that we need to create research projects on at Scandinavian Mind. But 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 back to Sarah, I think the Askit is also interesting because they've been working, they've had their own uh, projects around traceability, um, kind of way ahead of, of many others. Now, obviously, traceability is going to be a huge part of of the EU legislations, and that's why we need to implement these digital product passports that we're talking about. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure Sarah, in your interview, talked about uh, the the traceability project as well. She sure did. Uh, almost exactly three years ago, they launched uh, the so-called uh, impact receipt which she will explain um, in the interview. Uh, but it's been uh, tricky. They've been struggling with uh, making it happen because uh, perhaps they were a bit early when they mm. released the plans. Uh, so it, it was, I wouldn't say it was only an idea, but it was like a concept. And in order mm. to re- make it happen, and re- uh, realize, uh, they realized a lot of struggles and they've been through a lot. And of course, the pandemic didn't make it easier. But now, three years later, this November, we'll see the launch of the Impact Receipt. And uh, yeah, I'm, it, it's quite uh, groundbreaking, or it's very groundbreaking, I would say. And uh, let's hear Sarah explain more about it. What's your uh, impressions after the conference and why is it important for you to be here? Well, the apparel industry has far-reaching environmental and social effects and despite that it's one of the most unregulated industries so it's really promising to see that the European um, Parliament is making moves to regulate the industry. Um, First and foremost I was here to understand what some of those uh, regulations are uh, and they're far-reaching, really interesting, um, and start initial discussions of how uh, they might come into effect and how the standards might look. We will also release uh, several of the um, speeches and panel talks as uh, special uh, podcast episodes throughout the fall. For uh, Asket, uh, you've y- just uh, opened a quite special store. Can you tell us more? Yes. Uh, on, the, on this topic as well, yeah. Of course, absolutely. So uh, we opened our second uh, physical retail space uh, and it is entirely dedicated to uh, restored um, and used Asket garments. Um, so one of the uh, discussions uh, today was around circularity and lifetime longevity and potential uh, long-term solutions, be that resale or recycling. Um, and for us, the, the restore is a step in the right direction. Um, so in uh, 2010. One, we introduced the revival program, so we've been collecting used ASCIT garments uh, from our customers for three years now. Uh, we've been working with Fabricarana, uh, which is a charity that uh, repairs uh, and refreshes garments. Um, and three years down the line, we had uh, enough garments to be able to open the restore um, on Bundegarten 48 on Södermalm. You also mentioned before that this fall sees a very special launch, which has taken you so much time and effort. It's called the Impact Receipt. 
And uh, we can provide a teaser here for what's about to launch in November. What can you say about it? Of course. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, um, the apparel industry has a huge environmental impact. Um, and as a society, we've lost connection with actually what goes into making our garments uh, and, and the effects that that has. So at Ask It, we really want to reconnect people with that uh, dissociation and for people to understand every purchase they make, that it also leaves an environmental cost, not just a, a hole in, in your wallet, so to speak. Um, so in 2021, we introduced the concept of uh, the impact receipt. So along with a financial receipt for your purchase, um, we wanted to introduce an environmental receipt. Um, and it's taken us a number of years uh, to be able to get the data, collect that information, um, and have the right rigor across all of our garments um, and across our entire operation. But this November, uh, we'll finally be able to share that impact. So the carbon emissions, water use and energy use for every single one of our garments as well as our business operations. So when you do buy something from us, you'll receive two receipts, uh, your uh, regular transaction receipt and also the impact receipt. Ultimately, what we want to do is get people to understand and acknowledge the inherent value in a garment and nudge people into valuing their garments, keeping them hold of them for longer and understanding the true inherent value in those. Can you pick out one of the challenges of creating this concept out of many, I assume? Of course. Uh, I mean, the number one challenge is, of course, acquiring the data. Um, so for those of you who are familiar with uh, the apparel industry, it's an incredibly complex supply chain. Everything from extracting uh, raw materials from farms, spinning the yarn, uh, creating the fabric, the cut and sew stage. Uh, there's a different player involved at every step along the way. The apparel industry is inherently opaque um, and many companies don't have that sort of visibility. Um, we've been working on that visibility since we started and now we've been working with all of those different touch points to get the information that we needed but it's a, a lot of data uh, to, to, to gather and to um, calculate and then summarize in a receipt. I can imagine. <laughs> Right, that was Sarah Arts from the Stockholm-based fashion brand Asket. All right, Johan, uh, lots more to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, kudos to Asket for doing the, the traceability projects, but it kind of also underscores that these are huge projects that the whole industry need to tackle. Uh, and it, it goes across the entire kind of value chain upstream with the supply chain of manufacturing and and, and uh, you know, sourcing the raw materials uh, all the way out to end of life responsibility for fashion brands. Uh, how will consumers uh, either uh, repurpose or recycle uh, garments? It's really a daunting task. And, and I kind of th that that scope in and of itself kind of proves the the need for a transformation conference. What do you think? If you ask me, uh, it should be a monthly event. <laughs> <laughs> because it's don't, so don't much say to that. talk about. I'm, I'm too tired today to, to think of this as a monthly event. In 2024, we will launch it as a monthly event. But but for sure, and, and I mean, this is something to stay tuned about uh, in the Scandinavian Mind platform. Uh, there is obviously a need for the industry to uh, absorb knowledge about what's happening. And that is something we want to be part of. 
we want to be in service of the industry, giving them knowledge and insights. And we are working on a couple of projects of how to do that in a more um, recurring way. So not just a couple of events every year and not just kind of the news feed on our website, but more of an insights uh, operation. But we'll get back to that. Yeah, and of course, um, it's also that uh, it's not only for the 150 people uh, in the audience uh, yesterday. We, we released a bunch of podcasts with the, the, the talks and the keynotes from uh, the Helsinki edition. So if a listener gets cu- curious, it's just to keep on sc- uh, scrolling in, the, in our podcast feed to, uh, to get mo- even more insights from Helsinki. For sure. So if there's FOMO, go back to the to the uh, Helsinki event and relaunch that and then stay tuned for more uh, content uh, in the podcast and feeds uh, uh, coming up later this fall. So what else do we have to plug? Of course, uh, Beauty Innovation uh, turned 12 this week. We did three. We have done three months of Beauty Innovation Insights newsletters. Uh, we'll actually do a longer episode on, on beauty innovation uh, next week. But you uh, want just just short? How's it been doing this uh, for now? Twelve uh, consecutive weeks. Yeah, <laughs> what can I say? A lot of insights. So I've learned a lot as well, and I hope the readers uh, have as well, of course. Uh, so it's it's been uh, it's been a struggle to to create the the right amount of content and the right level of content uh, every week, but also very fun, and uh, I hope that uh, it's been appreciated, which we know because we've received yeah really really good feedback. Yeah, a ton of positive feedback, and that's also why we're confident of now when uh, we move into September. Uh, the Beauty Innovation Insights newsletter will move from the early access uh, free edition into a paid subscription. So if you are working in the beauty industry and want to get the latest insights uh, about new technologies and developments, you have to subscribe to Beauty Innovation. There's a great offer uh, on site right now, 20% off the first year if you sign up. Uh, because uh, starting next week, uh, Beauty Innovation is going to be a paid newsletter. I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. If you work in the beauty industry, you can spare uh, 30 euros a month on this, uh, you know, significantly less if you use the 20% off. So go to scandinavianmind.com slash beauty innovation to sign up. And uh, of course, while you're there, do sign up to my weekly newsletter with my weekly column uh, called Observations. You'll find that on scandinavianmind.com as well. You want... it's been a blast doing Transformation Conference. I'm totally beat. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Uh, how about you? Yeah, let's do Oslo in September. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> we won't make it a monthly event. Uh, it's uh, st- The fact that it's only arranged like once or twice a year, um, it's uh, it's a part of the um, part of the success, I would say. Exactly. But speaking of Oslo, I will actually be in Oslo next week, Friday, yeah. <laughs> September eighth. Now that you mention it, I will uh, be hosting not an entire conference, but helping uh, the uh, the design brand Minus um, talking about sustainability and circularity in the furniture industry during Designer Saturdays, kind of their their uh, design week over there at Oslo. I'm really looking forward to that. So um, I will actually be in Oslo. If you're around, uh, shout out, give me a DM or send me an email. I'd love to to meet up. 
All right, Johan, this has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Uh, quite enjoyed this week. Thank you so much for uh, uh, being our man in the audience yesterday and uh, do enjoy the weekend. Bye.